0: Chapter Twenty of Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Six by John Hay and John George Nicolay. Chapter Twenty: Negro Soldiers in resorting to the policy of general military emancipation president lincoln did not mean to rely upon its merely sentimental effect from the time when the necessities of war forced upon him the adoption of that policy it was coupled with the expectation of making it bring to the help of the union armies a powerful contingent of negro soldiers we find from several entries in the diary of secretary chase that this course was foreshadowed at the cabinet meetings following that of july twenty two eighteen sixty two when he submitted the first draft of his emancipation proclamation while the time had not yet in his judgment arrived for a general arming of the blacks he nevertheless indicated an intention to organize and use a military force of negroes for a specific object the dispositions made and orders given by general halleck concerning the western armies prior to his transfer to washington left no provision for the work of opening the mississippi river but the president had this enterprise so much at heart that he asked general o m mitchell july twenty-five, eighteen sixty-two, with what force he could take vicksburg and clear the river and with the black population on its banks hold it open below memphis mitchell replied that with his own division and curtis's army then in arkansas he thought he could do it the plan would doubtless have been adopted had not general halleck decided that mitchell's division could not be spared from buell's army and that curtis's army must remain in arkansas to keep the trans-mississippi confederates out of missouri lincoln's reliance on the black population to contribute a compact and effective military force thus distinctly indicated contemporaneously with his decision to give freedom to slaves in rebel states by military decree was not thereafter abandoned though he felt constrained to postpone a systematic organization of negro troops for active campaigns he nevertheless expressed his willingness that commanders should at their discretion arm for purely defensive purposes slaves coming within their lines and on august twenty five eighteen sixty two the secretary of war formally authorized general saxton in command at port royal to arm uniform equip and drill not exceeding five thousand volunteers of african descent to guard and protect the plantations and settlements at port royal and elsewhere this authority was given in pursuance of the very guarded provisions which congress had recently embodied in the confiscation act and in an act amending the force bill of seventeen ninety five both of which laws had been approved by the president on july seventeenth eighteen sixty two the last day of the session section eleven of the former empowered the president to employ as many persons of african descent as he may deem necessary and proper for the suppression of this rebellion and for this purpose he may organize and use them in such manner as he may judge best for the public welfare section twelve of the latter was a trifle more specific but the gingerly manner in which the topic was approached and the careful choice of words to say one thing and mean another give abundant evidence of the extreme sensitiveness of opinion on the subject in congress as well as out of it the section provided that the president be and he is hereby authorized to receive into the service of the united states for the purpose of constructing entrenchments or performing camp service or any other labor or any military or naval service for which they may be found competent persons of african descent and such persons shall be enrolled and organized under such regulations not inconsistent with the constitution and laws as the president may prescribe further significance was given to the language by a clause in section fifteen of the same act which read that persons of african descent who under this law shall be employed shall receive ten dollars per month and one ration three dollars of which monthly pay may be in clothing The subject is not mentioned in the preliminary proclamation of september twenty two eighteen sixty two but the final emancipation proclamation of january one eighteen sixty three contains the full announcement of the new military policy and i further declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed service of the united states to garrison forts positions stations and other places and to man vessels of all sorts in said service tentative experiments with negro soldiers had indeed been made during the year eighteen sixty two but without producing any considerable results general david hunter was the pioneer in these experiments almost immediately after his arrival at the department of the south he asked the secretary of war for fifty thousand muskets and authority to arm such loyal men as i can find in the country and with an eye to the seductive effects of a brilliant uniform he added a request for fifty thousand pairs of scarlet pantaloons saying this is all the clothing i shall require for these people this somewhat extravagant requisition was not the only bit of humor which grew out of the incident some time afterwards at the instance of a pro-slavery member of congress from kentucky the house of representatives passed a resolution asking information about the alleged organizing and arming of fugitive slaves the secretary of war referred the resolution to the general who replied in a letter of great apparent gravity that there were no fugitive slaves in his department but that he had a fine regiment of loyal persons whose late masters were fugitive rebels whom we have only partially been able to see chiefly their heads over ramparts or rifle in hand dodging behind trees in the extreme distance in the absence of any fugitive's master law the deserted slaves would be wholly without remedy had not the crime of treason given them the right to pursue capture and bring back those persons of whose protection they have been thus suddenly bereft the secretary of war with the same gravity sent the reply to the house of representatives where it was read amid roars of laughter to the great discomfiture of the mover of the resolution of inquiry and served more than months of discussion would have done to hasten the already swiftly moving change of public sentiment general hunter's experiment however was a greater parliamentary than military success there was still too much prejudice in the army itself and particularly among army officers against such an innovation the blacks did not come forward freely to enlist and when the general undertook to compel them by drafting it confirmed in their minds the stories which had been told them that it was a renewed slavery that they were to be sold to cuba that they were to be placed in the front rank of battle for slaughter and many other direful predictions under such conditions though the regiment was formed it was beset by desertion by neglect by contempt and also by the fatal difficulty that under existing regulations the paymaster could not recognize it from all these causes it languished and was with the exception of one company formally disbanded about three months afterwards the whole history of this first experiment but repeats the constant lesson that statesmen generals and reformers must always and unavoidably reckon with public opinion when they undertake to change either for worse or for better the complex machinery of modern society and government the failure of hunter's regiment was only temporary it furnished the germ of later success one company under command of sergeant c t trowbridge as acting captain held together in spite of all discouragement and neglect and when general saxton received the already mentioned orders of the secretary of war dated august twenty five eighteen sixty two to organize five thousand volunteers of african descent it became the first company of the first south carolina volunteers a regiment the formation of which was begun on the seventh of november t w higginson of massachusetts was appointed its colonel and took command about the first of december even then recruiting was slow the regiment numbered five hundred when colonel higginson took command and six weeks or more elapsed before it was completed we find a repetition of these identical difficulties of surmounting the prejudices and obstacles of public opinion at the other territorial extremity of the country on the sixth of august senator and general j h lane of kansas telegraphed to the secretary of war from fort leavenworth in that state i am receiving negroes under the late act of congress is there any objection answer by telegraph soon have an army there is no record of the secretary's answer the probability is he made none but remembering that the inquiry came from a region of border ruffian memories and methods left lane to his own devices and responsibilities slaves of rebel masters became free under the confiscation laws and this was a numerous class in western missouri but besides receiving those who had a right to enlist if we credit frequent complaints lane and lane's men also sometimes resorted to forcible recruiting among the slaves of the loyal no definite or coherent record remains whereby truth may be gleaned from error amid very vague and conflicting statements we know also that general curtis the department commander was not disposed to throw obstacles in lane's way thus he wrote on september twenty ninth eighteen sixty two lane's movements are often much exaggerated and for that reason the rebels are very much afraid of him so far as they are concerned a reign of terror is the proper check to them and it would be well to make them understand they will have no sympathy at your hands if he will pitch in at cowskin prairie he will not be likely to go amiss i am told it is not much better about independence we have got to fight the devil with fire we are not likely to use one negro where the rebels have used a thousand yet under all these favoring conditions the first kansas colored was not organized as a regiment until january thirteenth eighteen sixty three about six months after lane began receiving colored recruits the time required shows us the resistance of a fixed prejudice which had to be overcome at every point the third and most successful of the several preliminary experiments with colored soldiers was made by general butler while at new orleans in command of the department of the gulf he had scarcely taken command of the city when contrabands from among the redundant slave population began to crowd upon every military office station and camp to bring information and offer service and in return to receive protection and food so far as possible he endeavored to make them useful but he soon found the problem outgrowing his means after some three weeks of experience on may twenty five eighteen sixty two he formally asked the instructions of the government in the course of his letter he wrote the military necessity does not exist here for the employment of negroes in arms in order that we may have an acclimated force if the war department desires and will permit i can have five thousand able-bodied white citizens enlisted within sixty days all of whom have lived here many years and many of them drilled soldiers to be commanded by intelligent loyal officers besides i hope and believe that this war will be ended before any body of negroes could be organized armed and drilled so as to be efficient in due time the general under date of june fourteen received authority to raise five thousand white volunteers but his questions about negroes were left unanswered because the president though studying the slavery question more thoroughly and anxiously than any of his officers was not yet ready to announce a general policy brigadier-general j w phelps whom butler had placed in command at carrollton seven miles above new orleans was dealing with the same problem in the light of his conscientious and active abolition feelings he had given fugitive slaves every encouragement and protection possible under his military orders and on june sixteenth he wrote a long letter to butler's adjutant-general recommending that the president should declare the military abolition of slavery and suggesting that through the instrumentality of military service our slaves might be raised in the scale of civilization and prepared for freedom fifty regiments might be raised among them at once which could be employed in this climate to preserve order etc butler referred the communication without discussion to the secretary of war with the explanation that general phelps i believe intends making this a test case for the policy of the government and adding for himself i respect his honest sincerity of opinion but i am a soldier bound to carry out the wishes of my government so long as i hold its commission and i understand that policy to be the one i am pursuing the president's cautious answer was transmitted by the secretary of war on the third of july he is of opinion wrote mr stanton that under the laws of congress they cannot be sent back to their masters that in common humanity they must not be permitted to suffer for want of food shelter or other necessaries of life that to this end they should be provided for by the quartermasters and commissaries departments and that those who are capable of labor should be set to work and paid reasonable wages in directing this to be done the president does not mean at present to settle any general rule in respect to slaves or slavery but simply to provide for the particular case under the circumstances in which it is now presented meanwhile on july thirty, phelps forced the question anew on general butler by making requisitions for arms accoutrements clothing camp and garrison equipage etc for three regiments of africans which i proposed to raise for the defense of this point butler reported this request to the war department with the further information that phelps without his knowledge or orders had organized five companies of negroes and on the same day august two replied to phelps i do not think you are empowered to organize into companies negroes and drill them as a military organization i cannot sanction this course of action as at present advised he had already suggested to phelps to employ his five companies of africans upon necessary work the removal of woods about his entrenchments a kind of labor in which a recent act of congress had specially authorized the employment of negroes phelps however deeming it his mission to reform the government rather than render military service forwarded the general his resignation with the unwarranted and offensive comment while i am willing to prepare african regiments for the defense of the government against its assailants i am not willing to become the mere slave-driver which you propose having no qualifications in that way butler argued the point with him in a temperate and forbearing response but phelps persisted in his insubordinate obstinacy and his resignation was accepted by the war department if the headstrong vermont brigadier who was a man of ability and an educated soldier had possessed the patience and that proper recognition of discipline which his profession enjoined he would not only have been gratified by the early acceptance of his views but might have rendered himself useful in promoting and hastening the object he professed to have so deeply at heart even before his resignation was accepted general butler who about the middle of august apprehended an attack had taken the initial steps to bring about the organization and employment of colored troops for which he found a precedent begun by the rebel governor moore of louisiana for rebel uses before the capture of new orleans by the union army in his testimony before the committee on the conduct of the war general butler says upon examining the records i found that governor moore of louisiana had raised a regiment of free colored people and organized it and officered it and i found one of his commissions i sent for a colored man as an officer of that regiment and got some fifteen or sixteen of the officers together black and mulatto light and dark colored and asked them what they meant by being organized under the rebels they said they had been ordered out and could not refuse but that the rebels had never trusted them with arms they had been drilled in company drill i asked them if that organization could be resuscitated provided they were supplied with arms they said that it could very well i said then i will resuscitate that regiment of louisiana militia i thereupon issued an order stating the precedent furnished by governor moore and in a week from that time i had in that regiment a thousand men reasonably drilled and well disciplined better disciplined than any other regiment i had there because the blacks had been always taught to do as they were told it was composed altogether of free men made free under some law early in september the general reported i shall also have within ten days a regiment one thousand strong of native guards colored the darkest of whom will be about the complexion of the late mr webster this example is also important in illustrating the influence of public opinion on the question new orleans had a large foreign population and many of the native whites had their sentiments and traditions modified to a great extent by their european origin the race prejudice of richmond and charleston did not exist in new orleans in its full intensity and its absence had enabled the rebel governor of louisiana to form his regiment of free blacks for rebel service french and english law did not permit citizens of those countries to hold slaves a circumstance which furnished both the governor and general butler a large proportion of free blacks and afforded the former the pretext of employing them under military organization to protect the persons and property of their alien masters i accordingly enlisted one regiment and part of another from men in that condition continues general butler we had a great many difficulties about it but the english consul came very fairly up to the mark and decided that the negroes claimed as slaves by those who had registered themselves as british subjects were all free so that i never enlisted a slave indeed it was a general order that no slave should be enlisted another resource for negro recruits grew out of the fact that one of the general's expeditions took military possession of a large district in which were located the heavy sugar plantations of louisiana and which contained fifteen thousand to twenty thousand slaves under section nine of the confiscation act of july seventeenth eighteen sixty two all these slaves became free and from their number butler obtained enough additional black recruits to complete a second and third regiment of negro infantry and also a negro regiment of heavy artillery three of these regiments were employed in military duty one in the city of new orleans the other two to guard the opelousas railroad west of new orleans the remaining regiments he found it necessary to employ in agricultural service the same spirit that moved planters to burn their cotton induced a combination among them in the district occupied by the federal army to abstain from the necessary fall layering of sugar-cane for the next year's crop and to this duty as well as providing for other crops to sustain the slave population butler assigned one of his black regiments from the result we have summarized it is evident that without president lincoln's policy and decrees of military emancipation the negro population would have furnished but a scanty addition to the army's fighting to maintain the union nor indeed did the mere issuing of the final proclamation of january one eighteen sixty three work any sudden transformation the full manhood which springs from liberty and individual self-assertion needed still to be aroused and stimulated and the president lost no time in setting on foot earnest practical efforts to realize the substantial benefits he had contemplated accordingly he wrote to general dix commanding at fort monroe on the fourteenth of january eighteen sixty three the proclamation has been issued we were not succeeding at best were progressing too slowly without it now that we have it and bear all the disadvantages of it as we do bear some in certain quarters we must also take some benefit from it if practicable i therefore will thank you for your well-considered opinion whether fort monroe and yorktown one or both could not in whole or in part be garrisoned by colored troops leaving the white forces now necessary at those places to be employed elsewhere general dix had been a buchanan democrat until the outbreak of the rebellion and when we take his political antecedents and prejudices into account his answer was reasonably promising even with its coldness and want of faith fort monroe he thought was too important to be entrusted to colored troops at yorktown perhaps they might be used to the extent of one-half the necessary garrison but he said i doubt very much whether colored troops can be raised here an officer from massachusetts who has taken an interest in the question interrogated the adult males of the colored population at camp hamilton and newport news and found only five or six who were willing to take up arms the general reply was that they were willing to work but did not wish to fight i deem it not improper to say further that the feeling towards the north among a considerable portion of the colored refugees is not a cordial one they understand that we deny them in many of the free states the right of suffrage and that even in those where political equality is theoretically established by law social prejudices practically neutralize it the president waited some weeks and then turned his inquiry in another direction on the twenty sixth of march eighteen sixty three he wrote to andrew johnson at nashville then military governor of the state of tennessee i am told you have at least thought of raising a negro military force in my opinion the country now needs no specific thing so much as some man of your ability and position to go to this work when i speak of your position i mean that of an eminent citizen of a slave state and himself a slaveholder the colored population is the great available and yet unavailed of force for restoring the union the bare sight of fifty thousand armed and drilled black soldiers upon the banks of the mississippi would end the rebellion at once and who doubts that we can present that sight if we but take hold in earnest if you have been thinking of it please do not dismiss the thought there is no record that governor johnson ever made any reply to this proposal of the president the governor was already rendering important public service and he perhaps reasoned justly that the time had not arrived when he could undertake a leadership full of such difficulties uncertainties and risks although later in the same year he took hold of the task in a more restricted and qualified way and cordially gave his personal and executive assistance in organizing colored regiments meanwhile under the combined influence of patriotism and military ambition many northern men of prominence and energy and also imbued with liberal and progressive sentiments came forward and volunteered their services to officer and organize negro regiments in the south it required courage at that time to take this step for the confederate authorities had published a ban of outlawry and retaliation against all who should serve in such a capacity a few days after his letter to governor johnson the president wrote to general banks at new orleans hon daniel allman with a commission of a brigadier-general and two or three hundred other gentlemen as officers goes to your department and reports to you for the purpose of raising a colored brigade to now avail ourselves of this element of force is very important if not indispensable i therefore will thank you to help general allman forward with his undertaking as much and as rapidly as you can and also to carry the general object beyond his particular organization if you find it practicable the necessity of this is palpable if as i understand you are now unable to effect anything with your present force and which force is soon to be greatly diminished by the expiration of terms of service as well as by ordinary causes i shall be very glad if you will take hold of the matter in earnest you will receive from the department a regular order upon this subject general banks responded to the president's request with great energy and with such success that on the seventeenth of august he made the following report of what he had accomplished in the four or five months which had elapsed general allman has now five regiments nearly completed numbering about twenty three hundred men or five hundred to each regiment i have twenty-one regiments nearly organized three upon the basis of a thousand men each and eighteen of five hundred men making in all ten thousand or twelve thousand men there are also batteries of artillery and companies of cavalry in process of organization these embrace all the material for such regiments that is within my command at the present time so also continuing the same industrious prompting the president wrote to general hunter in the department of the south a few days after his letter to banks I am glad to see the accounts of your colored force at jacksonville florida i see the enemy are driving at them fiercely as is to be expected it is important to the enemy that such a force shall not take shape and grow and thrive in the south and in precisely the same proportion it is important to us that it shall hence the utmost caution and vigilance is necessary on our part the enemy will make extra efforts to destroy them and we should do the same to preserve and increase them it is unnecessary to follow the details and results attending these local efforts it will be more interesting to read the correspondence growing out of another scheme to promote individual leadership in the great enterprise we have seen how general fremont had failed in two important military trusts confided to his judgment and care notwithstanding these failures the general retained the admiration and confidence of many influential politicians and considerable classes of citizens in the country who believed that his prestige and ability ought to be utilized and who now sent the president a memorial suggesting that he ought to be made an organizer and commander of negro troops on this subject president lincoln on the first of june eighteen sixty three wrote to senator sumner in relation to the matter spoken of saturday morning and this morning to wit the raising of colored troops in the north with the understanding that they shall be commanded by general fremont i have to say that while it is very objectionable as a general rule to have troops raised on any special terms such as to serve only under a particular commander or only at a particular place or places yet i would forego the objection in this case upon a fair prospect that a large force of this sort could thereby be more rapidly raised that being raised say to the number of ten thousand i would very cheerfully send them to the field under general fremont assigning him a department made or to be made with such white force also as i might be able to put in that with the best wishes towards general fremont i cannot now give him a department because i have not spare troops to furnish a new department and i have not as i think justifiable ground to relieve the present commander of any old one in the raising of the colored troops the same consent of governors would have to be obtained as in case of white troops and the government would make the same provision for them during organization as for white troops it would not be a point with me whether general fremont should take charge of the organization or take charge of the force only after the organization if you think fit to communicate this to general fremont you are at liberty to do so the result of the inquiry is given in the following reply from general fremont to mr sumner i was pressingly reminded of your note by a visit from the committee which had called upon mr lincoln and to which he had promised this letter to you i beg you will say to the president that this movement does not in the remotest way originate with me on the contrary when the committee called upon me i declined positively to enter into it or to consent to having my name mentioned to the president in connection with it the reason which i gave to the committee was simply that i disapproved the project of raising and sending to the field colored troops in scattered and weak detachments that it would only result in disaster to the colored troops and would defeat effectually the expectations of the government to mass them in a solid force against the rebellion no short-reaching or partial plans can possibly succeed i told them that if i had been placed in the department which the president and secretary arranged for me when i was last in washington and in which i should have had a suitable field for this organization and white troops to protect it and ensure its success i could have undertaken it and have undoubtedly organized a formidable force eminently dangerous to the confederacy but these views were merely in answer to the committee and ended my relation to the subject i beg you to say to the president that i have no design to embarrass him with creating a department for me in my judgment this whole business is as dangerous and difficult as it is important it demands ability and great discretion and a fixed belief in the necessity of the work and should only be undertaken upon some plan which would embrace the whole subject and then be entrusted only to some officer of ability and judgment to whom the president would be willing to give the necessary powers he must have power and the president's confidence therefore i do not propose myself for this work but i make him the following suggestions it being understood i am thrown out of the question namely make a department of the country west of the mississippi louisiana excluded send them a suitable officer give him full command of the department and the white troops governor gamble himself included and let him draw the colored troops together from every quarter and organize and consolidate them he will have the whole line of the mississippi river for his operations and draw the colored men from the free north and the freedmen from the entire south in this way the west country and the mississippi river would be closed to the confederacy by an army of two hundred thousand men which at the proper time could take a deciding part in the war this is my view of the subject but is this time yet come will the president realize that if this summer's campaigns are not successful the confederacy is well-nigh established i think not so if you think he will mix me up with the war plan makers of whose importunities he says he is tired please say nothing to him about it but pray don't let him think that i am moving in any direction or by any persons to get this command enclosed i return the president's letter which i have shown to no one i informed the committee that i had received it through yourself but could not communicate its purport without the authority of the president will you please make my thanks to the president for his friendly expressions in my favor and accept my very warm thanks to yourself i have just had a visit from your governor interesting and agreeable as his visits always are the various experiments suggestions and applications which have been related rendered it evident that the organization of the military strength of the black population of the country would not be fully accomplished by the mere sentiment of the black people or the enthusiastic and voluntary efforts of one or more popular leaders either white or black to supply the steady continuous official action necessary to broad success the government at length took up the work in its practical details early in april eighteen sixty three the secretary of war dispatched the adjutant-general of the army general lorenzo thomas to the west to examine and report upon the feasibility of recruiting and using negro soldiers and his mission from the first was attended with success he telegraphed from memphis under date of april fourth, eighteen sixty three i arrived here last night and explained this morning to general Hurlbut the policy of the administration respecting the contrabands he says his corps will give it their support especially those regiments which have been in battle he desires six hundred as artillerists to man the heavy guns in position which he says can readily be raised from the contrabands within his lines i have authorized him to raise six companies and select the officers from memphis he went to lake providence louisiana where he addressed the divisions commanded by generals macarthur and logan on april i announced to the former division in the morning four thousand being present the policy of the government respecting the black race and in the afternoon to general logan's division some seven thousand the troops received it with great enthusiasm and many speeches were made by officers of different rank fully endorsing the policy i asked from each of these divisions officers to raise two negro regiments but the difficulty will be to restrict them to that number for at least ten regiments can be obtained my first arrangements are for ten regiments and after these shall have been raised further arrangements will be made for others from the headquarters of general grant at milliken's bend he telegraphed on april sixteenth, the policy respecting the negroes having been adopted commanding officers are perfectly willing and ready to afford every aid in carrying it out to a successful issue i shall find no difficulty in organizing negro troops to the extent of twenty thousand if necessary the prejudice in this army respecting arming the negroes is fast dying out about this date however general grant began his famous vicksburg campaign and the movement of the whole army unavoidably interrupted the recruiting operations of general thomas nevertheless he again reported from memphis under date of may eighteen returned from corinth after addressing the troops at twelve different places the policy with regard to the blacks enthusiastically received have authorized the following regiments two at helena one full the other will be completed by the end of the month five in louisiana organizing from lake providence to young's point two in mississippi but for the movement of grant these regiments would have been filled five thousand will be raised in these regions in two weeks my aim has been to raise twenty thousand and i see nothing to prevent it these reports made by the adjutant general were of such importance and such promise that the secretary of war on the twenty second of may eighteen sixty three by general orders established in the adjutant general's office of the war department a special bureau for the organization of colored troops its function was after providing for keeping proper records and regulating their enlistment and inspection to provide for furnishing them with competent white officers no person to be allowed to recruit colored troops except specially authorized by the war department and only those applicants for this service were to be commissioned whom a board of examination had passed with a designation of the proper grade for which each candidate was fit non-commissioned officers were to be selected from the best men among the recruits in the usual mode but it was impossible to put these wholesome restrictions immediately into practice and for a considerable time general thomas in the name of the secretary of war made such appointments in the regiments which he organized or in his absence provisional appointments were made by the department commanders subject to approval by the president and such scrutiny depending upon current personal reputation among armies in the practical trial of actual campaign was probably as likely to obtain good material as if made by boards of examination upon theoretical acquirements the raising of negro soldiers in the free states under state authority became successful only in massachusetts governor sprague of rhode island asked for permission to raise a regiment as early as september ninth eighteen sixty two this however was before the government adopted the policy besides the opinion of governor andrew of massachusetts was it will be essential to the recruitment of the colored regiment commenced by governor sprague that the colored population of other states shall contribute towards it the number of persons of african descent in the state of Rhode island alone being insufficient for the purpose on january twenty eighteen sixty three the latter obtained authority from the secretary of war for this object and issued his own order of recruitment on february seventh governor andrews anti-slavery zeal prompted him to make this example as conspicuous and successful as possible by every care and attention which his own authority could supply he selected the officers for the fifty fourth massachusetts volunteers writes his adjutant-general for men of acknowledged military ability and experience of the highest social position if possible in the state and men who believed in the capacity of colored men to make good soldiers frederick douglass the colored orator personally assisted in recruiting this regiment and two of his sons marched in its ranks completed organized and equipped the regiment after receiving an ovation in boston embarked on the twenty eighth day of may for south carolina another regiment the fifty fifth massachusetts colored was also organized immediately afterwards and sailed from boston on the twenty first of june for north carolina these two were the only colored regiments organized under state authority but efforts were set on foot in other states to recruit negroes under united states authority wherever this class of population seemed sufficient to furnish recruits the most promising field of course was in the border slave states but here local prejudice still threw obstacles in the way of this policy governor bramlett of kentucky in his inaugural address september one eighteen sixty three strongly objected to arming negroes governor bradford of maryland in a letter to the president while disclaiming any desire to arrest or impede any action of the government calculated to contribute to its safety or to crush the power of those who are assailing it complained that the slaves of maryland planters were secretly enlisted and carried away and he strongly protested against such methods governor gamble and the conservatives of missouri were to say the least thwarting rather than aiding such enlistments the governor indeed gave his consent but on condition that the laws of missouri should not be violated a condition almost impossible to observe even andrew johnson military governor of tennessee deprecated the sending of recruiting officers to tennessee saying that more laborers were needed than could be obtained to erect fortifications and that all the negroes will quit work when they can go into camp and do nothing it is exceedingly important for this question to be handled in such way as will do the least injury in forming a correct public judgment at this time we hope therefore that the organization of negro regiments in tennessee will be left to the general commanding this department and the military governor amidst the exciting events which attended lee's invasion of pennsylvania in june eighteen sixty three the work of organizing the black regiments like many other important matters was temporarily delayed but the happy issue of the battle of gettysburg and the simultaneous capture of vicksburg left the government free once more to push it with energy upon the twenty first of july president lincoln wrote to the secretary of war i desire that a renewed and vigorous effort be made to raise colored forces along the shores of the mississippi please consult the general in chief and if it is perceived that any acceleration of the matter can be effected let it be done i think the evidence is nearly conclusive that general thomas is one of the best if not the very best instruments for this service it is interesting to recall at this point how accurate had been the president's thoughts and investigations upon this whole question since in its original discussion before the cabinet of the previous year he had indicated the shores of the mississippi as the region where a negro military force might be most easily and speedily organized and most usefully employed the mission of general thomas had vindicated his sagacity shortly after his direction to the secretary of war the president also wrote to general grant a word upon another subject general thomas is gone again to the mississippi valley with a view of raising colored troops i have no reason to doubt that you are doing what you reasonably can upon the same subject i believe it is a resource which if vigorously applied now Will soon close the contest it works doubly weakening the enemy and strengthening us we were not fully ripe for it until the river was opened now i think at least one hundred thousand can and ought to be rapidly organized along its shores relieving all white troops to serve elsewhere mr dana understands you as believing that the emancipation proclamation has helped some in your military operations i am very glad if this is so to this suggestion grant made a full and hearty response in the affirmative i have given the subject of arming the negro my hearty support this with the emancipation of the negroes is the heaviest blow yet given the confederacy the south rave a great deal about it and profess to be very angry but they were united in their action before and with the negro under subjection could spare their entire white population for the field now they complain that nothing can be got out of their negroes there has been great difficulty in getting able-bodied negroes to fill up the colored regiments in consequence of the rebel cavalry running off all that class to georgia and texas this is especially the case for a distance of fifteen or twenty miles on each side of the river i am now however sending two expeditions into louisiana one from natchez to harrisonburg and one from goodrich's landing to monroe that i expect will bring back a large number i have ordered recruiting officers to accompany these expeditions i am also moving a brigade of cavalry from tennessee to vicksburg which will enable me to move troops to a greater distance into the interior and will facilitate materially the recruiting service general thomas is now with me and you may rely on it i will give him all the aid in my power i would do this whether the arming the negro seemed to me a wise policy or not because it is an order that i am bound to obey and do not feel that in my position i have a right to question any policy of the government in this particular instance there is no objection however to my expressing an honest conviction that is by arming the negro we have added a powerful ally they will make good soldiers and taking them from the enemy weakens him in the same proportion they strengthen us i am therefore most decidedly in favor of pushing this policy to the enlistment of a force sufficient to hold all the south falling into our hands and to aid in capturing more it is needless to follow in further detail the systematic recruitment and organization of colored soldiers which went on from this time forward whatever misgivings or prejudices may have existed among the loyal people of the north or among conservative officers in the field faded out before the stern necessity of replenishing the armies which were not only being constantly wasted by disease and battle but whose aggressive campaigning strength was as continually being diminished by the very victories they gained involving an increase of local garrisons from the midsummer of eighteen sixty three little more was heard of opposition to colored troops except in the border states and from the more ultra-democratic politicians in the free states the policy had forced its own acceptance if not as a voluntary conviction at least as an unavoidable necessity and there was scarcely a district in the north in which the arms-bearing population was not entirely willing to receive colored soldiers from a single recruit to a regiment either in filling its complement of volunteers or in reducing its quota under the draft the new system of raising armies by conscription to which the government was obliged to resort during the year eighteen sixty three furnished to popular apprehension the most convincing and final argument in favor of the new policy of arming the blacks a law of congress approved february twenty fourth eighteen sixty four amendatory of the enrollment act provided that all able-bodied male colored persons between the ages of twenty and forty-five years resident in the united states should be enrolled and form part of the national forces with further provision that loyal masters of drafted slaves should receive bounty and compensation and that the slave should become free if a single argument were needed to point out president lincoln's great practical wisdom in the management of this difficult question that argument is found in the mere summing up of its tangible military results at the beginning of december eighteen sixty three less than a year after the president first proclaimed the policy he was able to announce in his annual message that about fifty thousand late slaves were then actually bearing arms in the ranks of the union forces a report made by the secretary of war on april two eighteen sixty four shows that the number of negro troops then mustered into the service of the united states as soldiers had increased to seventy one thousand nine hundred and seventy six and we learn further from the report of the provost-marshal general that at the close of the war there were in the service of the united states of colored troops one hundred and twenty regiments of infantry twelve regiments of heavy artillery ten companies of light artillery and seven regiments of cavalry making a grand aggregate of one hundred and twenty three thousand one hundred and fifty six men this was the largest number in service at any one time but it does not represent all of them the entire number commissioned and enlisted in this branch of the service during the war or more properly speaking during the last two years of the war was one hundred and eighty six thousand seventeen men this magnificent exhibit is a testimony to mr lincoln's statesmanship which can hardly be overvalued if he had adopted the policy when it was first urged upon him by impulsive enthusiasts it would have brought his administration to political wreck as was clearly indicated by the serious election reverses of eighteen sixty two but restraining the impatience and the bad judgment of his advisers and using that policy at the opportune moment he not only made it a powerful lever to effect emancipation but a military overweight aiding effectually to crush the remaining rebel armies and bring the rebellion as a whole to a speedy and sudden collapse one point of doubt about employing negroes as soldiers was happily removed almost imperceptibly by the actual experiment it had been a serious question with many thoughtful men whether the negro would fight it was apprehended that his comparatively recent transition from barbarism to civilization and the inherited habits of subjection and dependence imposed upon him by two centuries of enslavement had left his manhood so dwarfed and deadened as to render him incapable of the steady and sustained physical and moral courage needful to armies in modern warfare practical trial in skirmish and battle however proved the gallantry and reliability of the black soldier in the severest trials of devotion and heroism within half a year after lincoln's order of enlistment the black regiments had furnished such examples of bravery on many fields that commanders gave them unstinted praise and white officers and soldiers heartily accepted them as worthy and trusted companions in arms End of chapter 20.